This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Atos unveils Exascale Architecture. Intel affirms upcoming advancements. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Tiffany Trader of HPC Wire, together with my colleague Oliver Peckham, joined by Addison Snell of Intersect 360 Research. And this week in HPC, Atos hosted a reveal event for its upcoming Bolsaquana XH3000 supercomputer. And Addison, you were there in person for the event. I sure was. This was an event attended in person by, I don't know, I didn't get an exact count. Let's call it about 100 people live in Paris at the very beautiful Palais du Tokyo, just across the river from the Eiffel Tower in the Trocadero Gardens area in Paris. And they had, I think, about 1,000 people also online for the live stream event as they unveiled the Bolsaquana XH3000 supercomputer, which will be shipping later this year. This is their Exascale class supercomputer announcement. And uh, I don't know, I thought it was a great event. And they hit a couple of major themes over the course of it, including uh, the fact that it's a heterogeneous architecture that will support a lot of different types of architectures. Uh, They talked a lot about the low carbon footprint of the machine. And uh, they um, also talked about the, the idea of European sovereignty and having European technologies for European supercomputing labs to solve problems uh, for European scientists. And, uh, and that was a, a point that I think was pretty well made. We are going to get into all those themes, including some more technical details. Uh, but before we do, let's just take a moment to register our impressions of, of the new cabinet design because I thought it was was pretty cool. Um, what did you think, Oliver? Oh, definitely beautiful. And you can, you can see the design language of these supercomputers really becoming more more high profile and, and public facing. And I thought the uh, that the fingerprint, the the Turing, what are they calling it? A Turing fingerprint, Turing print. Uh, Turing pattern. Out, Turing pattern was just gorgeous, just gorgeous, and uh, patterns really nicely across uh, multiple cabinets as well. Yeah, um, in you know, not not too many technical details were were disclosed, but um, Atos said that the XH3000 will support the latest uh, processing components from AMD and Intel and Nvidia, and then in the future, CyPearl. And the device targets include uh, Nvidia's forthcoming Grace ARM CPU, which is uh, pretty pretty notable, and then the future Rea processor. That's the uh, the, the one Cyperl is designing on behalf of the European Processor Initiative. That's using ARM and potentially some other technologies are in the mix. Risk Five, um, Intel GPU actually, and also GraphCore um, are in the uh, are in the mix there. Um, and then we we did see a company presentation that surface surface that. Uh, said that the uh, using standardized slots for the Compu and or Switchblade modules with up to 38 blades per rack. And they, they, they showed some promo videos and in, uh, in one of the promo videos they showed a, a QPU and they talked a little bit about this QPU and I know that was one of the things that stood out to you, Addison. Yeah, well, uh, two things. One is that quantum processor, the QPU, uh, being incorporated into the architecture as an accelerator. I think that was the one that uh, uh, maybe got the most buzz going as something that uh, we haven't heard uh, a lot of other people talking about, the idea of we're going to bring in quantum accelerated 
distributed HPC as part of the same architecture. Remember, Atos already has uh, what they're calling the quantum learning machine, the QLM, to do uh, on-prem uh, deployments for, for quantum computing. They've had a fair bit of success around that. They're not one of the companies we've talked about on this podcast as much recently with regard to quantum computing, but they, they certainly have uh, their feet in it and they've, they've got products today. So it seems like a credible claim to me that they've got a, uh, a future quantum accelerator. And I'll also underline uh, that Cyperl Rhea processor because it mm. fit into the idea of European sovereignty. Uh, that's another European processor architecture. And, uh, and I think it fit into the story pretty nicely. Mm, yes, uh, good good point. Um, you know, I thought the the seeing the QPU as this discrete chip in the promo video, right next to this GPU that was a discrete chip, I thought that was maybe a little um, future looking. Future looking, maybe. <laughs> exactly, the diplomatic way to say that. Um, just just to be clear, this is still very much uh, in the concept phase and very much in the future. And and I actually reached out to Atos to, to confirm that they say that what well, you know in the future they they may host such technology. Um, currently, this technology doesn't doesn't exist, but right now they do have qu- working quantum computing simulators uh, as part of their quantum learning machine QLM program that they launched in in 2017. So and it is very important as we might we talk might talk more about this and that quantum that quantum accelerator that integrating bringing the quantum accelerator into the exascale system it is very important to Europe and it's it's on one of the 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 slides in my article it shows the the European roadmap for supercomputing and, and right there it shows you that the quantum technologies right in tandem with the traditional silicon technologies well I think it's important to note that the entire presentation was somewhat future looking this was an unveil more than it was a, an actual product launch or announcement this these are all things that'll be shipping this year and I give a lot of credit to Atos for getting that message out there and building excitement around it it's it's not something we've seen a lot of from this company since the acquisition of Bull a couple of years ago. Um, but I also think it's appropriate because if there are going to be any sort of Euro HPC announcements around Exascale and they want to prime the pump around this architecture, uh, you know, building the excitement now is, is uh, I think, a nice step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a few more technical details. Uh the system will support a larger number of interconnect options, including that ATOS BXI interconnects, high-speed Ethernet, as well as HDR and NDR InfiniBand from NVIDIA Mellanox. Uh, that's their 200 gigabits and uh, 400 gigabits per second technology. They didn't talk about BXI as much as I would have liked. I, mm-hmm. I think that's an important uh, core technology to Atos right now that's akin to Fujitsu's Tofu or HPE Cray's Slingshot Interconnect for building out these very large systems that are going to be heterogeneous. Uh, and they even hinted toward a future of composability, uh, uh, b- building out pr- presumably b- future versions of BXI as a composable architecture. Uh, as, uh, as, uh, as a future-looking direction. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Composability was mentioned specifically with the Zeta Scale section of the, the program right at the end. I think it'll be before Zeta Scale we'll get to composable architectures here. 
Yeah, I think I think so. I think you're right. But it did get mentioned within in that context uh, as well that that would be an important um, component of Zetascale, whatever, however one may define that. A um, couple more notes on sort of the thing with the technical side before we get into some of the some of the other interesting themes that we have. Um, scalability, uh, as I said, the system is capable of at least one exaflops of you know, traditional modeling simulation FP64 performance. And then with the next uh, GPU generation, we'll be capable of 10 exaflops of so-called mixed precision AI performance. And then they envision an exaflops system uh, in the 2023 to 2025 timeframe. Um, so kind of a big window there, but they, they said that the system within that time frame would be about uh, around 10,000 nodes and around 25,000 endpoints. They are looking at a power envelope of 20 megawatts, which seems fair given that their timeline is coming in a little bit, a little after HPE uh, and then having some of the same, you know, menu of, of components to, to select from. Well, with regard to the wide timeline for Exascale there, it's in some, it's, it's in great part dependent on their partners on the processing side hitting their product roadmaps, right? Which is not all under Atos's control. I think the Atos architecture could go there as soon as they have the processors for it and perhaps just as importantly, the order to put them all together. Yeah, yeah. Um, good, good point. And then back, back to our, our themes, um, you know, the, the sovereignty, sustainability, decarbonization. Um, Oliver, you, 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 you covered these themes in your article and I know you uh, sustainability is a, a subject that you you care about and follow closely. What were your impressions on this? I, I think Atos and EuroHBC and the European Union generally are doing a good job of recognizing the combined benefits, uh, the, the the very synergistic benefits of going local. Uh, there was a nice quote from uh, Eric Epp from uh, Atos uh, during one of the panels that said the pandemic reminded everyone that it was important to be sovereign. I think it was uh, Jean-Philippe Nominet from uh, CEA who said, what is important is that you are not prevented by others to do what you want to do uh, during one of the other panels, I think. And I, there's also there's a lot of the, the European Union has a lot of rules around sustainability. There are a lot of targets that all these countries individually have to hit even outside of that. And the recognition that you can mitigate a lot of the risk we're seeing in supply chains nowadays, while at the same time helping to meet those goals by incurring fewer shipping costs and working in you know, uh, factories and facilities that adhere to more strict uh, standards when it comes to emissions, I think is is a very powerful argument in Atos' favor. And I think they're doing a good job of uh, seizing the moment right now and turning it to their advantage. Yeah, mm -hmm. Furthermore, I think there were some technologies in the XH3000 itself that spoke to lowering the carbon footprint of a lot of this computing, uh, including the, the the warm water cooling, which is really getting more and more to be hot water cooling, if you ask me. that There were some good uh, statistics around that. That's right. Yeah, this is uh, Atos's fourth generation direct liquid cooling DLC technology uses a 40 degrees Celsius inlet water, which is, is I would I would call that hot water. Um, it's their pat patented patented cooling system. Um, they say provides a, a nice 50% uh, um, improvement in uh, cooling power over their previous generation. So yeah, good, good point on that technology. Any other thoughts on uh, um, sustainability or how about sovereignty, uh, Addison? Well, the sovereignty, they had a wonderful uh, 
presentation by Cedric O, who's a, a French minister for um, digital transformation within France. So a great uh, person to have involved in this launch. And he was uh, talking with some emphasis about the importance of meeting these challenges with European technologies and not being reliant on the United States or China or, or, or other countries' technologies for meeting these research needs. And he specifically called out Atos as being the vendor that's capable of doing this at the same level as the U.S. or China. So I, I thought that was a, a well-made point and, uh, and very appropriate to the event. And that is that is how they're they're positioning themselves with this launch. They say that they're on track to deliver exascale systems within the next two years. And parallel to that, the Euro HPC consortium is planning to stand up two exascale systems by the end of 2024, according to the latest roadmap I saw with France and Germany uh, contending to uh, host one of those systems or each country uh, intending to host a system. Yeah, I think that's very likely. That's reading between the lines that those those countries specifically did not get involved in the pre-exascale systems, which went around a lot of other places. So it, it would be stunning if France and Germany were not the locations of the exascale systems. Yes, and certainly Atos is a major contender to, to win, uh, you know, those those contracts are one of those contracts. Yeah. After Cray and you know, which became HPE, swept the U.S. exascale bids. <laughs> yes, I would expect Atos to be, uh, we'll say, in the pole position for those. Yes, um, I mean that that you know, it raises an interesting question, which is, I mean, you 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 have made a comment that is like essentially the Atos is essentially the vendor face of European supercomputing that goes in line with. Um, with the, the, the comment that, that uh, was it EP made uh, as well to that, that same point. Um, it just made me think, it was, you know, we're seeing, like you just said, that US, the, the HPE is swept the US exascale systems, but HPE also does very well globally as well. You know, are we going to see this more of this siloization of countries trying to stick with their own in-country providers? I mean, certainly Atos has ambition to, to be a global, you know, HPC provider. What do you think of their their positioning to to tap more of the global market, or will things go in the other direction? Well, I think Atos is well positioned to tap more of the global market, in particular with their acquisition of of Nimbix, which gives them a different sort of face to the North American market, particularly if they're going to address commercial types of organizations that don't have the same sort of nationalistic intentions that uh, the major government procurements might. Now, the, the Euro HPC tenders have had a tradition of, of being open, and there's nothing in them that says it has to be a, a particular national or even European vendor. Um, and, you know, that maybe has been to Atos's disadvantage in the past, but I, I think they've made a clear statement here that this is, uh, this is what's in their sights. And Atos has already been establishing some successes and wins, and they've had a number of wins this year uh, with EuroHPC and other projects. I know, uh, Oliver, that's something that you've you've been following closely. Yeah, definitely. Um, they had the, they've had their big win with EuroHPC already through the uh, Leonardo pre-exascale system over at uh, Jamaica in Italy. That seems to be going on track. Uh, and then some systems that have already deployed, uh, Ducalion in Portugal, Discoverer in Bulgaria, and uh, Melixina in uh, Luxembourg. And to your point, 
Addison. I think I think um, pre pre pandemic, I, I would have very much agreed that uh, the Euro HBC not having an explicit pro pro uh, national company policy was to Atos's disadvantage, as we've uh, perhaps seen with the drama around Mara Nostrum Five. Uh, in, in in what we might call post pandemic, I think that position has uh, shifted dramatically in their favor, and I think Atos and uh, the European Union are now much more on the same page. Yeah, I th- and I thought it was great that, that Atos hosted this big reveal event and tell the world what they're doing. Um, it was great. It was great that you could be there, Addison. Uh, let's move over to our, our second story. We're going to switch tracks and go over to Intel and the analyst day meeting that they held this this week where they made some disclosures about the Xeon roadmap over uh, through to, to 2024. And they also announced a new platform called Falcon Falcon Shores. Um, Oliver, what did what did you what were some of your takeaways from this? Yeah. Um, so Falcon Shores is this uh, 2024 slated uh, combo x86 and uh, XTGPU in a Xeon socket um, at a one-to-one ratio, which if you took the brand names out of that is uh, very similar to NVIDIA's uh, pitch for Grace, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And what, what are they saying about the timeline for, for Falcon Shores? Uh, looks like 2024 uh, on the heels of uh, some of the later generations they have slated for, for Xeon. And that's about a year after where um, NVIDIA said they will be with uh, Oh, yeah, Grace. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the, the NVIDIA announcement preceded the this Intel announcement by almost a year, but I think about 10 months. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, you know, I think we're seeing 2023 for Grace and then 2024 for um, this Falcon Shores. Okay. Um, and yeah, we also saw a confirmation that Sapphire Rapids will begin shipping next month to select customers. Uh, with uh, full shipping, I think um, second half of second half of the year. And of course, this is the uh, next generation. This is going to be um, key key CPU, the CPU inside the the next generation DOE supercomputers, including the Aurora Exascale system, at Argon, and then the Crossroads supercomputer at uh, Lanel, Los Alamos with the NNSA. Um, the Crossroads is actually starting starting to be deployed. I think it's going to be. There's some uh, some early nodes right now out, and then there'll be uh, more deployed this summer. The initial they said the initial phase will use the Sapphire Rapids with the traditional DDR memory, and then the final phase will use the HBM high bandwidth memory version. Uh, and the Aurora will is um, using the uh, the HBM version of the Sapphire Rapids. So we'll see more more to come on that. And they also made some other uh, roadmap um, announcements as well. What's what's coming up after Sapphire Rapids? Well, we've got uh, Ponte Vecchio still slated for 2022. I say still, but of course, that's an updated timeline. Uh, they are saying late 2022 for both Aurora, uh, the system that will be uh, launching Ponte Vecchio essentially, and Ponte Vecchio itself. I All think right. that Ponte Vecchio update is the one that that uh, I want to spend the most time focusing on. Now, I didn't attend the analyst day call myself, not because I don't love Intel. I do, and I would have done, but I was on my way to and from Paris this week, so mm-hmm. I was uh, otherwise engaged. It's nice to see the confirmation of Sapphire Rapids. The Falcon Shores is definitely interesting, especially given the timing of NVIDIA uh, n- 
needing to back off of the planned arm acquisition not that that does anything to project grace that's still there but with the optics of it i think intel had a, a nice timing for that announcement but to me that uh, that ponte vecchio announcement is the most important one to keep an eye on not only for what it has to do with aurora but but just in terms of getting that gpu out into the market i don't think uh, intel could could much afford the optics of having that slide out much more. There's too much anticipation built around it. Mm, yep. Good points. So, and then, yeah, post uh, Sapphire Rapids, they're coming out with Emerald Rapids. That is also on the on the Intel, what they call the Intel 7, the Intel 7 process node, same as Sapphire Rapids. So it's a socket compatible refresh to the Sapphire Rapids platform. They say it's going to improve performance, extend memory and security benefits. Um, and... They uh, also announced that uh, in 2024, they will introduce the Granite Rapids. That is going to debut the Intel 3 process node. Uh, and what's notable here is that they said um, that they've actually accelerated their development here that uh, until initially, initially it was going to be an Intel 4, but they've accelerated it to the more advanced Intel 3 process. That's going to be their next generation P core, they have these two different cores, the P core, the performance core, performance core, and the efficiency core. This will be the P core Xeon product um, in 2024. I think my, my takeaway from both of these news stories is just how interesting the landscape, the computing landscape is and how much diversity there is in, in all these these different different devices. Um, what, do you, what, do you, what else did you think about this, Addison? Well, I think you've hit on it exactly that we're getting to where the, the differentiation is really a lot coming into how do I put together all of these different processing architectures uh, into a supercomputing architecture that essentially delivers the uh, scalability and efficiency regardless of what I'm trying to do. I, I think that the, the idea that we're heading more toward composability, um, whether it's through a slingshot or a, or a BXI or a Tofu or other types of composable architectures that are out there. There's Giga IO and Liquid. Uh, I think that's the direction we have to move toward because of the diversity of processing elements, the diversity of interconnects, the diversity of storage components, and, and most of all, the diversity of applications as we have traditional scientific computing merging more with analytics um, and, uh, and machine learning and, and now, of course, quantum. So in addition to traveling to the Atos event, you've also been engaged with the Winter Classic Student Cluster Competition with your colleague Dan Olds, which we have coverage of on the HPC Wire website. Uh, here's some the, some of the latest results are in. That's um, right. How's that been going? I, it's been fantastic, and of course Dan gets the primary credit here. He are, had already run an iteration of this student cluster competition last year prior to our engaging him with Intersect 360 Research. It's our goal to not only continue that work, but to uh, to really make it bigger, reaching out to historically black colleges and universities as well as Hispanic serving institutions. Uh, in the U.S., uh, colleges and universities that get, I think, underrepresented on the major conference circuit and, and get those students engaged in high-performance computing. Um, he's got them engaged with mentors he, we, and, uh, and sponsors. They've already 
together with uh, HPE worked on high performance Linpack and the HPCG benchmark. Uh, we're, we're posting videos of the teams, we're posting videos of the mentors and sponsors. You can get updates. It's all on uh, a, a Winter Classic Invitational YouTube channel. You can find it on the Intersect 360 website. You can find it at winterclassicinvitational.com. And of course, coverage on HPC Wire, which we greatly appreciate. So stay tuned to that. There's a lot more coming in the weeks ahead. Yeah, definitely. Check out the video, support these students, and then check out the coverage uh, that, that Addison was just talking about. All right, Tiffany Oliver, thanks very much for joining me on This Week in HPC. As always, our listeners can get more details on HPC Wire. Thanks for wrapping up another week in the news with me. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.